Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, and community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webno.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Today we'll be discussing Afghanistan, um, its implications, the significance of it, its early withdrawal of the U.S. American troops, it's been in the headlines everywhere, and I think there's a lot to learn from the past um, to prevent, to use as the future. History always gives us an insight into how we can to look into the future. Uh, but before that, I, maybe we can discuss our successful meeting yesterday, um, Tuesday. Last week, we um, we did this fishbowl organizing effort where we were discussing um, organizing a group virtual meeting so that we can organize with folks around the USA. And uh, it was a success. And maybe we can start there first before we discuss Afghanistan. Any thoughts, any, um, what comes to mind? You know, for me, I remember we were guessing as to how many people would come. Um, and, you know, we, I think we, it was above the number we kind of guess, you know, close to 50 people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was impressed in terms of not so much the just the numbers, but the kind of like the contributions. Uh, I don't, I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, I think I came out with a bunch of, um, you know, possibly useful information as an individual, you know, on possible ways to uh, what we call like surviving the mandates. Um, you know, there are people fighting in different, uh, different in through different angles. Uh, across this nation um, and so yeah I think I, I felt some relief and also just the fact that in the previous episode I talked about how I imagined this uh, being for me it's like a like that dystopian world right where the world is almost ending and you're making a call into the, the darkness and people did answer the call there are other cells of people you know doing stuff and and that's kind of what I was hoping for of that meeting. And I think it's good. You know, there is potential. And just the fact that we had people from an array of backgrounds and, and political views, really, we didn't even get into it. But my sense was that, you know, we come from different walks of life. And to me, as a person who thinks that, you know, revolution is the only way to really change the direction of things, where things are going, um, it's important to be able to organize across differences right and find the commonality in, you know in our struggle and so this feels good in that sense so um yeah i i agree with kenny i was really uh happy about how the meeting went um we had like if you remember kenny raised this question about whether it should be a work a group of broadly workers against versus california workers and we actually i think in the discussion there had i had made an argument for california workers and i'm really glad that i changed my mind and i'm really glad kenny brought that up because uh, there were people from California, but there were also people from Washington, from Oregon, from New York, from Wisconsin, from Albuquerque, and Illinois. Uh, so there's, yeah, I think I got them all. I think Wisconsin, right? Um, so, and some of those people ended up reconnecting with each other. And we also had people from around California from their own locales who have the possibility. From Florida. Ah, thank you, from Florida as well. I missed that. Um, so, uh, that was significant. Um, we were workers and students for choice. I'm not sure if we, if we got students involved yet, but that's our hope. Um, 
but I was really, I, it was just really great to see people who we had, we had been working with, we've had on What's Left, um, who, people who listen to What's Left, and then people beyond that who don't even know about What's Left um, uh, kind of come come there. And, and, and I do think uh, the, the idea of whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, whether you're right or left, if you're opposed to this, um, we're prepared to work with you. Um, and we can have our differences and we will can state those differences, but we're, we, we see that the, the threat, a bigger threat ahead of us, which is the U.S. state, U.S. corporations. Um, me and Kenny and probably Eduardo would identify as capitalism and the capitalists, but you don't have to believe that in order to fight these people. Um, uh, you will have to believe that if you're going to ultimately stop them. And I actually think there's a connection for me in what's happening in Afghanistan to what we're doing right now. Um, and, and there's one, well, I'll just say that. Um, and it speaks to the importance of grassroots resistance to the state and to the, and to empire, because we've been talking about vaccines and vaccine mandates as very much an imperial project. So I think it's worth remembering that folks, that this is what you have to, you do have to understand the the jab in every arm is part of an imperial project. And so think about that as we, we will be segueing to Afghanistan. Um, and that's also part of an imperial project. Both well said. Um, I agree with both of you. I called Andy right afterwards yesterday and <clears throat> I apologize. I'm a bit under the weather. I called Andy right afterwards and I said, you know, I, I felt very moved, touched and inspired by everyone there. No, some folks that have been there know us to what's left other people just heard about the facebook group other people i didn't realize there were going to be 50 people i thought they were going to be just um uh you know just mm, 10 people and it just was a great number and i want to thank everyone who showed up and i hope that they will show up in the next meeting i just want to tell them that these are tough times i i I'm very glad we started this. What's left with you, Kenny, with you, Andy, and now we're doing some organizing efforts. Um, you know, I can just hear the desperation in some folks, the intimidation by the state and the worry. And I just, you know, it's hard for me because I get very emotional when I hear people like that. And I'm not saying it was a disempowering conversation. Uh, I'm just saying I, I get, you know, that way because it's everyone's life almost is on the line when they when they don't want to do something or if their livelihood is being questioned and don't know if what's next to come. And so, um, you know, and I think about the people who weren't there, people who I know in the mission community. I know Kenny knows a lot of people as well and workers in the service industry and schools and, you know, even just to enter, um, a place these days, everyone's talking about doing um, these passes, however people want to call them. So that's all I want to say. I appreciate it. Um, and we have to just, you know, carry on, do the work and see where it takes us. And I'm very excited for what comes next. And we did agree, essentially, we're going to have another meeting next Tuesday, um, which is about deal, uh, the issue of how people can do exemptions and things like that to take up information about that. So we'll put a link in here again. It's really the same link as what it was before, um, but it'll be the same time, Tuesday, 5 p.m. And um, we're gonna see where we take it from there. Yeah, and maybe 
some I've always wanted to do something in Spanish so we can try to do something for the community that may not be able to have access no maybe Kenny and I could discuss that after yeah Poor okay. Eduardo <laughs> my face is very hot it feels like it's red like this yeah but anyway so take your garlic <laughs> okay let's let's move on so Afghanistan uh initial thoughts maybe or how do we proceed what do you think if I start? Because I really pushed for this and mm -hmm. um, not like you guys were like, no, we're not doing Afghanistan, but we would planned on really staying with the, the vaccination mandates because it's coming and it's still coming. Um, but I was like, we need to transition to this. And I want to start actually with the last episode. Like I, I think of this as our, the U S is getting kicked out of Afghanistan, but what's left is returning to Afghanistan because only three weeks ago we had an episode and I titled it. Uh, we titled it. The slight Biden's sleight of hand, right? They're moving moving troops out, but they're keeping a bunch of contractors there, and they're not leaving. You know that was the proposal. That's that's how I put it, and um, I think I was well, I was wrong. Um, not like oh shocked I was wrong, but like that's important. Like for me, it's important when when I know what I said and I know what happened and I know there's a difference. Um, and for me, this was meaningful to talk about. Um, I knew the U.S. hand in Afghanistan was weak. Um, although for me to say that it's just a sleight of hand, oh, they're just removing this. Clearly I didn't understand how weak their hand was. Like I, at one level, I was thinking these, these are all powerful empires that I was almost treating it like they couldn't be defeated in that region or they weren't going to be defeated anytime soon. Um, I did believe that as the U S if the U S drew down that their, 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 their quizzling government, the government that they that they say is democratically installed, but is not. It is installed by the United States. The, the old government, that, that government that has collapsed is not a democratic government. It is a, it is a Vichy government in France. It's like, it's like when the Nazis went into France and they installed a government, it was called the Vichy government. That is what you have in Afghanistan, is a government installed by an empire to crush the people of that, to occupy and crush the people of that country. Okay, so I want to be clear about that. So those are the those are the people who or that that is the force that melted away um, pretty quickly once the U.S. started to leave. Now, and I know for a fact that the U.S. does not like the way this looks um, and it makes them look very weak. And it does because they look like a defeated empire leaving um, a country that they tried to occupy and control. And that's what's happened. So it, it tells me that the U.S. First, it reminds me that the U.S. is not all powerful. It reminds me that when an empire falls, it, it falls fast and it falls hard. And it reminds me that you know, all the drones, all the they, they had the mother of all bombs being dropped on that on that country, like just below a nuclear level bomb. And they were bombing the hell out of out of, out of the resistance in, in Afghanistan. They call them Taliban. They call them whatever. But they're the resistance. Um, and they could not defeat it. Um, because the people in Afghanistan were were, were not going to give up fighting. Um, and so it wasn't a U.S. anti-war movement that did it. It wasn't an international anti-war movement. It was the people of Afghanistan resisting the U.S. empire, and they were able to defeat it. And that's remarkable to me. Like, I just think it's it's remarkable. And the other thing I'll say is it, that victory should be wholly celebrated by everyone who wants to see these vaccines stop. This U.S. empire stopped 
who wants to see people liberated, the defeat of the U.S. empire is the best thing that could happen to it, to, to, the, to the cause of international, the possibility of an international working class revolution. Um, that's not who has taken power here in Afghanistan, but it, the people who did take power in Afghanistan, in my, in my view, are people who are homegrown in Afghanistan. They defeated the empire. They didn't give up. And, uh, and, that's a, and, and the defeat of the U.S. empire is a, is a step forward, or at least it's a victory for all of us who care about fighting from the bottom up. I'm a little more cautious in terms of, so I, I see that, you know, yes, the U.S. is out and you know, the government that they left behind is, um, is uh, you know, has collapsed. Uh, it was defeated. Um, and, but from my, what I worry about is like, is this a repackaging of another offensive of the U.S., you know, and so in that way, it's still a sleight of hand, right? Like, is it a, you know, oh, you see, this is what we got to stay here. You know, this is why we have to protect these people from these savages, right? That the, the, the imperial rationale, right, of civilizing people. Um, and so th that's what I worry about. Like, I, I'm not, you know, it, it's a temporary victory. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be more be like, all right, it's a victory, you know, the longer that, you know, these people stay there. Um, it's not a victory for... But in the sense of a, the defeat of the U.S., you know, because they are withdrawing. Yes, of course, there is resistance. There has been, you know, it's been a, a, a Vietnam in a way, right? Like uh, the, the U.S. never really had a full victory. They had to continually be there to maintain the, the control of the country, occupy it. And, you know, the government that they left behind is, is collapsed, you know. So the U.S. has to stay there. And so, again, my concern is in the long run, um, we'll see how much this government, the, the people, the Taliban claiming, you know, power, how long they'll stay, you know, what will their U.S. reaction be? Because at this moment, I, I, this is where I think we'll talk about the, the links, right? This, this is a very useful tool for the U.S. to remind us of terrorism because, uh, you know, evoking that, that the last 20 years that have governed us. You know, the rationale for the last 20 years of surveillance, of, you know, the Patriot Act, of, you know, the intrusion in what liberals call civil liberties. Um, and so at the moment, it, it kind of is a wholesome tactical move for the U.S. because I feel like it's going to be justified to go back in there, maybe in a different way, not completely invade, but drone the shit out of people. You know, uh, the Taliban and, and maybe implement all the ways of, you know, uh, distance war, you know, technology like drones and other technologies that are testing in, in Afghanistan. Um, and so, like, I'm, I'm a little more cautious in terms of, you know, saying that this is a victory. Yes, fuck the U.S. I'm with you, Lipson, in that sense, that we should always celebrate, you know, the defeat of the U.S. Uh, military. Um, you know, it, it uh, heightens the prospects of us, you know, having a victory. Uh, and so for the time being, like, I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen. But no doubt, this is a useful tool for the, what's happening in this nation. You know, the, the vaccines and, and the linkage of terrorism to bioterrorism, you know, and, and the reminder that we should be afraid and that we need the state to protect us. First off, Kenny, I do agree. And this is something I didn't say in my opening statement, which is um, that because the U.S. has faced 
a bitter defeat imperially abroad, that means they must crack down more at home. Like this has been a big defeat for the U.S. ruling class. They're they're shitly scared about how China is going to use this, and the China the Chinese government has already recognized the Taliban government as the, the right government. So the the U.S. Uh, ruling class did experience a defeat there, and the only thing that, well the thing they have to do because they don't plan on losing, they must crack down harder here, and that's what's going to happen. Like. You're absolutely right. As they talked about the Taliban coming to power, they also talked about, oh, this is the resurgence of terror. So now we're going to have the, what do they call it? Vanilla ice, vanilla ISIS, which is the white supremacist that we're going after. And they've, resur- they've resurfaced the boogeyman of the old terrorists simultaneously. And then, by the way, recently the Department of Homeland Security came out and said COVID skeptics and the unvaccinated and vaccine hesitants are essentially also potential terrorists. So I agree with you, Kenny, that any self-respecting ruling class that plans on controlling the globe must double down on its own working class population in response to a defeat abroad. So I actually think things are going to get very dark here. But it's still a step forward because I don't, the U.S. is not going back in. The one thing I will say, because um, everyone's right, right in the news, it's all Biden sucks, Biden sucks. But I do believe Biden, Biden has taken one for the team for the U.S. ruling class. Like his, his, he's over now. I don't think he can get reelected because he's done this. But the U.S. ruling class couldn't stay. They were losing. They were, it was, it was going to get worse. So someone had to pay, pay, the, pay the political price of a humiliating defeat of the U.S. empire. And Biden stepped up and said, all right, take me down. I'm, I'll be the guy. And so, of course, the Republicans are going to go after him. And then there's other people who are saying he could have done it differently. No. Like Anthony Blinken has actually said it. Whether it was going to be one year or five years from now, this was going to happen. We either had to put more troops in or we had to pull out. Because Kenny's also right about this. There, This is a, a very bad defeat for them, but they are re- retooling. This is about um, re, rebuilding, <laughs> essentially positioning themselves for, their, for the war, on Ch- war with China, war with Russia. And they're, and they're getting bled in Afghanistan, and they can't do that war if they continue to bleed in Afghanistan. So they had to rip the bandage off, let the blood flow for a while, and eventually a scab will form. And now they, they, they do have plans to go after China. But I think their hand looks increasingly worse and worse, the U.S. ruling class. And the only thing they can do to recover that is they have to crack down internally to re-strengthen themselves. That means more data collection, more control of workers more ability to project power abroad. There is no empire abroad without cracking down on your own working class. The Chinese ruling class knows that and the US ruling class knows that. So that's what's coming. And Kenny's exactly right about the level of terror. The only thing I disagree with Kenny is they have no plan on going back to Afghanistan. That's done. They're not, there's no over the horizon anymore. Like the contractors are starting to leave. It's like, it's like get out and we're not going back. Um, and Colin Powell had said it before. He goes, you know, like I mentioned it in the previous episode of like, well, there was a power that left there a little while ago. We don't really talk about it too much. He was talking about this former Soviet Union. And two or three years after they fell, the U.S., the Soviet, the Soviet Empire collapsed. And it, that's, that fact gives me a little tingle here in my, in my back of my head about is the U.S. position as strong as we think? I mean, that, if anything, you know, what I'm concerned too is that you know something that you mentioned is retooling, right? And, and you know this is a, if this is a defeat, 
then they have to display, they have a show of power, right? And so where is that gonna happen? You know, and that, that should be the next question. And we've kind of mentioned that, or at least I thought that, you know, Biden and Kamala, you know, would get us, get us into other sort of conflicts, um, you know, because they're more hawkish in, in a way. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, I will see uh, in terms of, you know, other theaters of war, um, you know, because again, like you said, there's also a political cost, right, of, of this for Biden. And if he doesn't resuscitate his strength, you know, the leader of the free world, then, you know, he's definitely done. And then, but then, then this, the question comes up, right? Like who is driving that bus, you know, and, and, you know, is he like done sacrifice or is he going to try to push him, you know, stay in, in, in pull a, a bush basically, you know, like, <laughs> let's keep fighting, you know, let's, let's fight more. And Eduardo, can I respond to the next move or do you want to? You, you're giving me lots of breaks to recover. <laughs> All right. You're fine. So I think you're asking the right question. And, and my belief is actually the new theater is Africa. I saw some articles talking about how Africa is the next tech place. The most young people who are getting new tech is Africa. And so we are going to see the beginning of a new great game between China and their Belt and Road Initiative into Africa and the U.S. finding ways of, of essentially destroying that operation by funding you know, black operations to destroy the Belt and Road Initiative, funding terrorists to break that shit down while simultaneously put propping up their own ability to break into there. And again, this is where vaccines come in. This is where it is about like who gets in with their vaccine, with their plan for pe protecting people from COVID. Um, and that's what I believe the next, I mean, the Middle East and, and, and oil is going to still be important. Um, and the U.S. is going to try to control that using its relationship with Israel and Saudi Arabia maintain there. But the future is Africa as the next place that's going to be destroyed for empire and, and under capitalism as a, as a, as a toy between two great powers, China and, um, and United States. Just to, you know, that, that's an interesting point, you know, about Africa, you know, it's, it's by and large, you know, Africa doesn't get a lot of headlines and, you know, um, not recently, at least. Uh, and yes, you know, there is a demographic growth in Africa that, you know, similar to Asia, um, you know, and there's been even like some suggestions, that at least uh, when we talk about population control and all this stuff, you know, and that being a problem in not capitalism, right? Not the wastefulness and degradation that capitalism leaves behind. We talked about population growth and just leads me to think about Africa and Asia, which is where most of the growth is happening uh, in population. And yeah, so that means markets too. And when we, we are talking about in this show is, you know, data being more important than oil, you know, you want to go where there is more people to data mine and, and, and you know, in, install and apply, extract the, with the new technologies that are coming on board that are data mining our brains, data mining our biology too. Um, and so you want to be where there's more people. Forgive people. Eduardo's a little sick. So he's been letting Kenny and I go back and forth. He's, he's had things to say, but he's sort of, uh, what is it? Um, keeping his, keeping his powder dry. So he only has to shoot and, and speak at certain times. Okay. Uh, well, I might just talk about for me, the angle that I will be seeing 
this is to talk about just how disingenuous the US-American empire has been for the past 20 years and in previous wars as well. I think this, if lessons are learned, this should serve as an example for everyone that we shouldn't trust the US-American government under the guise of safety, under the guise of security. And let's listen to what Afghanistan, what was it that Joe Biden said? We went to the purpose, and I'll add the link, I'll add the video to this. Has Biden, President Biden stressed, and it was President Bush, President George W. Bush, it was President Obama, it was um, President Biden who had said that it stressed that the purpose behind the U.S. intervention in Afghanistan had always, and this is a quote from Biden, has always been preventing a terrorist attack on American homeland and never supposed to, he says, to be creating unified centralized democracy, which is contradictory to what he said in the past. It under the guise of humanitarian objectives, under wanting to give us the illusion that we're there to support and take care of the people, which I myself, as people can see in the previous episodes, have also been tricked. And lots of liberals are tricked. And people, I think this is a unifying front, people who care about their children going to the war, people who care about the anti-war movement. I think this is a unified front where we can see how we have been gaslighted over and over again from Vietnam to uh, to, to, to Afghanistan. And there's, there's video footage from the Associated Press that I was watching that Bush has clearly stated that those were the reasons, which were all lies. All of them were lies. And who has really benefited from this? Well, I was following Public Citizen on Twitter, and I'm just going to share. This is Public Citizen. This is their Twitter account, which people can follow. And who has, who has profited? Because that's what wars are. Their people profit from this. Let's see. First, I want to say how much we have spent. We have spent the war in Afghanistan, according to Public Citizen, which they have documents that you can look on their sites and stuff. This is what they're just relaying on their Twitter account. The war in Afghanistan cost... U.S. Americans, $300 million a day for the last 20 years. And who has benefited? Here, are the, here, just here, we can see defense stocks during the Afghanistan war. Lockheed Martin, 1,236% return. Northrop, Grumman, 1,196% return. Boeing, 975% return. General Dynamics, 625% return. Raytheon, 331% return. The military-industrial complex got exactly what it wanted out of this war. I couldn't have said it any, any way better. So and that's why I wanted to share my screen. And they have other tweets here, which is, um, maybe we have a little uh, difference on COVID here. But um, I, I just wanted to state that those are the reasons why we were there for those profits who benefited. And let's look at President Biden's Initial remarks, which was given by the U.S. Department of State. Here, his speech. Huh? I'm just wondering. Yeah. Well, my point is, we have been lied to. There have been profits made. Wars have. This is. We've seen this clearly with the Vietnam War, and we also saw the collapse. And there has been intel, and you can see, the generals, President Biden's um, generals, have said that there was no way of knowing that there was going to be this collapse. Of course they knew. There's surveillance everywhere. Everywhere. Of course they knew. They are lying to us. And I feel that with even COVID. 
so much secrecy and so much, you know, just lying to us about what's really going on. And I don't want to say more than that because maybe we'll just be shut down after that comment. But it's 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 another example that we can learn from. And you know, there's always profits to in this case, pharmaceutical companies. No. That's all. My throat is good. I want to say that, you know, I agree with you, Eduardo. Um, you know, this is uh, Afghanistan or, you know, the war in Iraq. Afghanistan is the most recent time they've uh, gotten caught in the lie, basically. You know, they've spin it in so many ways, you know, and, you know, they've pushed a lot of nefarious stuff onto us for, you know, surveillance, you know, the NSA, uh, the Patriot Act, you know, FISA courts, all this stuff. Um, and again, this is the most recent, you know, we can talk about the Gulf of Tonkin, we can talk about, you know, other, uh, you know, that, that one's for people who don't know, maybe it's the reasons they used to go into Vietnam, right? Um, and it was a lie. <laughs> and, you know, they've done this massively, massive lies, you know, not just now, you can look at history, hundreds, you know, some hundreds, what is it? There was another incident, right? Like uh, in 1800 or something, um, another boat that was exploded and claimed that it was someone else, blah, blah, blah. Point is that this is the most recent fresh example that we, most of us have lived through. And yet we don't find that cause to be highly skeptical about the massive lies to push surveillance, to make profits for you know, the corporations that the US state uh, works for. <laughs> You know, that is one thing Marx says, right? That the uh, the state is basically, the bourgeois state is the manager of the affairs of the um, ruling class, which is in this case, the capitalist ruling class. Um, you know, um, and so I, I agree too, Eduardo, with the hypocrisy, you know, and in the manipulation that they use, the emotional manipulation that I think it's, it's parallel in both COVID and uh, Afghanistan, you know, right now there is a picture circulating a lot um, where, you know, there's people, masses of people in a um, aircraft, U.S. military aircraft. Uh, it was funny because the, I saw it on the BBC uh, and there was a lot of speculation. Oh, this we got from a military website. Uh, we think this is what's happening. People look a little, you know, distraught and, you know, and so basically making the argument that there is a humanitarian crisis suddenly, right? Never mind that they've killed over 200,000 people over there, you know, in, in that area. Never mind that, you know, they, they've uh, vaporized people by bombing weddings, hospitals, you know, uh, schools, destroy, you know, a bunch of property, right? And so we care so much about property. You lips and you brought that up before. Um, never mind that the humanitarian crisis, the massive humanitarian crisis started the day they displayed on TV the savagery, you know, we, uh, you know, the bombing, I remember that when I was, you know, a teenager, they, they displayed it on TV, you know, um, in, in, you know, never mind that the drone technology, all the other technology they're employing there to occupy, you know, uh, to humiliate, to dehumanize, never mind the constant racist, you know, stuff that we hear on TV, you know, about these brutes, these people that can govern themselves, these people that need the U.S. to civilize them, pacify them, you know, never mind all the imperial bullshit that even, you know, especially liberals who seem to care about people, right? Like they pretend to care or they're, they're well-meaning, I guess, but 
you know, we were talking about worrying about women. So you didn't worry about women with when they were getting droned. You know, you only get worried when it's portrayed and manipulated on media. You know, and and, and that is what bothers me about the hypocrisy. You know, there is being a uh, you know a humanitarian crisis. It's just getting played up right now. You know, um, and of course there's people that are afraid. You know, and but never mind, right? We, we're trying to we're worried. We're so worried about humanitarian crisis that the U.S. froze. And almost ten billion dollars in assets, you know, from the uh, Afghani uh, central bank that they could use to do shit, you know, right? Um, to make some changes. And, and guess what? R reminder: We've talked about about that in the show. That is an act of war, you know. Uh, uh, sanctions, you know, that is an act of economic war on people. And so what they're saying is fuck those lives, you know, fuck their lives. You know, fuck the people at the bottom, fuck the medical supplies, fuck the, the you know rebuilding of the country because those brutes can, can you know can do better than us. That's what I hear. You know, when they're they're freezing assets, you know, and, and guess what? They they do this to Venezuela, they do this to Cuba, they do this to Iran. You know, where they spin that shit. They you know go to war and on an economic um and in the economic sphere, and then they claim that there is a human humanitarian crisis when they've created it. The U.S. literally has frozen the ability of these countries, Iran, Venezuela, it's going to do it to Afghanistan. You know, they've done it to Cuba. Their ability to participate in international markets that the U.S. controls, right? And, and so I'm just tired of the hypocrisy, right, of, of pretending that we care about humanitarian crisis because droning people, starving people is not liberation, it's not democracy is not care for human life. It's complete disregard. And that's what imperialism is. Can I just add that I never supported the war in the Middle East before. But I think if anyone wants to care about the humanitarian crisis, I think we should take screw visas and have open borders if that's what we, if we really do care. Yep. And then have people decide where they went to flee to. But I don't think that that's going to happen. So I don't really, I don't really believe when people say that they're there, when they're, they're there for, for the Afghan people. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say when you say like, you're just saying the the people often. I think you're saying like liberals and so-called progressives who say we want to help the Afghan people, but they they also have their questions about letting them in, right? Yeah. There are lots of things about vetting. From there are lots of things about immigration reform. I think. If we care about, you know, the populations or people or women or anything, we sh we should allow refugees to come in if they wish or if they want to flee somewhere else. I think all of these borders are just border segregation. Yeah, I agree. I just want to connect that to what we're living through here. You know, we we're talking about vaccine pass passports, right? Passports restrict movement. Borders exist to regulate labor. Because you guess what? Uh, capital and the, the goods that are produced and, and the, the wealthy, borders are irrelevant to them, you know? Um, and, and so pass, passports are about regulating movement. It is regulating movement of workers, right? And so also the other thing that's a parallel to what's happening in Afghanistan is that 
the disregard for life. You know what? We're going to, oh, we're going to sanction you, starve yourself, you know, if you don't comply with us. That's what's happening here. You know, suddenly, you know, that's the other hypocrisy that I, I hate about San Francisco, for example, is that, you know, these people that were um, sheltering in place that use, um, you know, the frontline workers, right? Like the, the, the people delivering through, you know, the different applications, right? Uh, uh, I don't know if I can mention them, but Lyft, Uber, Uber Eats, uh, DoorDash, all these stuff, the people that have been pushing to gig work, right? Um, by and large, immigrants, brown and brown, you know, uh, marginalized people, uh, people with difficulty, you know, like different difficulties, probably mothers, parents that can, you know, that have kids in school, especially when online learning, they were pushing to that way. So these people were heroes, right? And, and, and a lot of the people that have vaccine hesitancy happen to be those people, brown people, the brown people that cook people in San Francisco, for example, the brown people that, you know what, uh, that have cooked, that have, they live in shitty conditions, right? And they are skeptical, but guess what? That, that is where the imperial mind, you know, comes into play. Guess what? They need to be educated. They need to comply. You know, I think Cuomo said like something about, or someone said going door to door, especially to these communities. Right? So the, what I, this is why I hate the hypocrisy of, of fellow organizers in this city, in the Bay Area. You know, that we talk about the rhetoric and, and the, you know, and this and that about caring for these people, right? And, 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 but, you know, we also talk about educating them, you know, so we don't respect their, their views. We don't respect their own, you know, self-determination. And it, it, it shows this, this regard for them, for the life shows in these vaccine positions. Because there's plenty of people, you know, that are being forced, coerced into compliance. compliance. And again, that's the parallel, you know, disregard for life, really. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm really glad we're talking about this stuff. And Eduardo, I actually think if, if, if someone was going to take away a message from this episode, I actually think, Eduardo, you've hit on it, which is, I don't think there's a bottom deep enough of, of how much the U.S. government and, and the U.S. corporations will lie to you. I don't think we actually appreciate it necessarily. I don't think we know how deep their lies go because, of course, they can say, that oh, we were there to, pro to protect women. That's a complete lie. Oh, we were there to nation build. Complete lie. Oh, we were there to get Osama bin Laden. Complete lie. Oh, we were there to fight the war on terror. Complete lie. They weren't there to fight the war on terror. Oh, this was about 9-11 because they attacked us. Complete lie. The U.S. destroyed its own buildings. I mean, I believe that. But even if you don't believe that, it is a complete lie to think that this was that this war on that this war on terror war was a war on terror. It I, was a, I, I nodded and you said, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It was a war of terror on the global population so that the U.S. empire could expand. That is it. It was Afghanistan. It was the acts of evil. Let's go after, let's get, get Afghanistan. Then we go to Iraq. Then we get Lebanon. Then we get Syria. Then we get Libya. Then we go for Iran. And that's just the beginning because the big, the big targets are China and Russia. That was, that was the thing before. It was Pax Americana. And Pax says peace. But there is no such thing as American empire without global war. So that's the first thing, is that everything we've been told about this whole thing from top to bottom has a lie. The only thing that's true is that the U.S. was going to kill anybody it needed to kill so that capitalists and the corporations 
could could rule the globe. And I will say the, the, that, that you could see people enriching themselves like Raytheon and things like that. There are some people who think that the whole reason behind it was the enrichment of Raytheon. I would say that you've heard this term like that the Afghan government that we propped up was a quote klepto kleptocracy, like literally just criminal, uh, you know, people just sucking uh, money for themselves. That is a projection. That is what the U.S. ruling class is. The U.S. ruling class is in a giant kleptocracy. It rules for power to project power, and it steals for itself at the same time. Mostly steals from workers, but whatever, right? But it's not there to steal. It is there to rule and to project power and to compete for resources. Um, so that's the first thing. And and if you understand, well, if you think about the fact that there is no lie deep enough for the U.S. ruling class and U.S. mainstream media, then you might want to ask yourself if the things they're saying about the Taliban are true. Is there any reason to believe that the Taliban are these evil? Look at the way that look at the media and look at how they're shown with their half covered eye and the and like it's fucking first of all, it's racist through and through. It makes them look like dark and like kind of like ominous what they were was they were a ragtag group of rebels who defeated the u.s military and who would not give up who clearly died much more than they took more losses than the u.s no question all right but if you watch terminator those are the heroes all right if you watch that you know the scene where like the the rebels are fighting the the machines and they're taking all the losses the heroes are the ones fighting the machine well that's who the heroes are in this story folks it's the, it's the, what the Taliban, they're the ones who fought off the empire. And I want to say something else. And this is not a joke. Are those people, are those Taliban wearing masks? Do you see any of them wearing masks? Do you think any of them are vaccinated? I see them very close together in groups, actually. And that's what they needed to do. In order to defeat the U.S. empire, they didn't need a mask. In fact, they better not wear a mask. It wasn't going to work except to, you know, like keep themselves from the essentially the Afghan government, which is a which is a government, a quizzling government serving U.S. empire, which is why people in Afghanistan are kind of unhappy with interpreters, the people who work with the United States. The, the French resistance wasn't all happy with the people who gave over and gave themselves up to the Nazis. And a lot of those people got killed who at once the once they were out and no one thought that was bad. All right. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying, let's be clear that I don't think if we were an occupied country, we would not look upon well the people who in this country helped the occupiers stay in power with translation, with uh, figuring out who is who so you could get them. So think about that. Now, everything I've heard, actually, despite all the statements of, oh, it's chaos, is there's been a peaceful transition to power. And Taliban has said, well, we're not we're, we're going to try to be nice. You know, I don't know. I don't care. They're not my problem. They defeated the U.S. empire because we didn't. And we needed to defeat the U.S. empire. And it was the Taliban who did. They deserve, you know, to be at least acknowledged for that. So what I'm saying is we should not believe anything our mainstream media says about anything. And, and that's, that should be the lesson out of this. And that really does come back when we talk about vaccinations, we talk about COVID, and we talk about all this. You should doubt everything you're told. Does that mean we know what the truth is? Not necessarily, but we, we do know one thing. What we are being told is a deep lie that we might not even know how deep it goes. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I agree with you. You know, that's, uh, that's what I do this show, you know, and 
and sometimes we do have to speculate, you know, because we we don't know how deep those lies run, and you know, and then we people get dismissed, right? And but uh, as uh, conspirational, as if it's you know something to not do, and so I, I'm more afraid of the people that believe the official storyline. You know, uh, they take it at face value. And the people that sound a little crazy, because if you actually listen to this, the people's concerns, obviously I don't agree that people that are, you know, may sound far off. For example, you know, you know, at the beginning of all this, I know someone who is now is a, you know, I'm sorry, the state is, you know, requiring this. But at the beginning of COVID was talking about 5G, you know, but if you really look at 5G and 6G, there are some implications. There is some, there's scientific evidence to be concerned about. There's the lack of evidence too, like the lack of studies, you know, and, and so goes back to the same thing, you know, with what happened in 9-11, uh, goes back to the Taliban, right? Like these savages, right, that the, the, they're brutal. You know, never mind again that the U.S. literally vaporizes people into, into oblivion, right? That's, that's more humane, right? That's more humane. And not, not just individuals, by groups of people, weddings, hospitals, and stuff, that's more humane, you know, and that's not savage, that is civilized, that's civilization, I don't want that fucking civilization, you know, and never mind too, that, right, like, if you're a person, just a human being, and someone comes and murders your people, you know, your family disintegrates them into oblivion, wouldn't you be fucking pissed? Well, let me take this opportunity to disassociate myself from these two people. From 9-11, attack, the, people, the U.S. American attacked its own buildings to 5G and 6G with Kenny. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, I, I want to just add... I don't know if I want to include this, though. I'll say this to both of you. You know, I have said in the past how we're going to have a revolution if we're so surveillance in the tech. I look at the Taliban and I think, whilst I don't agree with our ideology, Edward Snowden had told me, Glenn Greenwald, that the, Afghan, that the Middle East and Afghanistan in particular was highly surveillanced by the U.S. American uh, government that 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 I mean, twenty years there wasn't. I mean, they've had so much time to just install so much equipment, and over those twenty years, how much technology has advanced that they've sure that surely the military always like the internet was first given to the military before it was given to us in nineteen ninety seven. Every tech weapon is always going to be used first before we get to it. That's with guns, that's with phones, that's with the internet, that's with everything, no? And so I imagine that they've used high-level tech out there. And yet, they were able to defeat the U.S. American empire. I don't know if I want to put this, but that, because I don't want to say that Taliban inspires me, what I want to say is that gives me hope that we as the workers of this country, of any country, can actually defeat such a powerful country, not just one, several allies, because there were British yeah. and Canada 
and NATO. And they all just left. And the Taliban took over from one city to the next. And in, not, in an unforeseen future, immediately took over Kabul. I mean, what does that say about very highly sophisticated technology that the U.S. American government has? I want to say just exactly what you're saying, Eduardo, because this is how I think of it. You know, um, the U.S. to the ta to the people, their resistance in Afghanistan, the U.S. might as well be a foreign species with foreign technology. You know, like, I, I, you know, from another planet, because, yes, that was disproportionately, you know, high tech, the U.S., you know, things that we don't even know, like you said, Eduardo, and you're right. You know, I've also shared that I thought that, you know, Technologies and tactics of occupation always migrate back for population control in the domestic domain. Why? Because if you don't control the domestic domain, you cannot go on your imperial, uh, you know, ventures. And so, guess what? Something else does not go too far. Technology at the border that is being used to police. Because people think that you know, again, by, by Trump, Trump, evil boogeyman. There he's building a wall. Guess what? The wall was being built and it wasn't a physical wall, it was a digital wall. They really, they literally, we've heard from people that work at the border. This has been years, facial recognition, right? Facial recognition to see who's there, you know, drones, sensors of all, all types. Guess what? They're gonna make it, you know, there some iteration of that is gonna be used to fight the war on bioterrorism. I want to add, but the only way that we will be able to resist is to oppose these passports, these passes, because we are not, yes, we can defeat, as we can see from that insurrection, that guerrilla forces of the Taliban, which I may not agree with their ideology, and people have seen on an episode that I've criticized certain parts of it. But what I want to state is we are not going to be able to resist if we allow for these vaccine passports because vaccine, I keep trying to tell everybody, vaccine mandates will lead to vaccine passports. It's as simple as that. And so we are giving ourselves, which is saying, here, take me, you know, by allowing people to track us and even with... Um, Apple just announcing that they're going to enter our our SMS messages under the guise of children's privacy, protection of children, and make sure that they are not being targeted by pedophilia. Well, anybody messaging, that means me messaging my cousin, people can look it up, I'll, I'll link it, even messaging my cousin who's 16 years old, suddenly that will create a portal to be able to go into my things. And I message my cousin about tutoring things because I tutor him. But anyone having a direct contact with a minor will suddenly be able to have this end-to-end -end encryption that Apple has been so touted for, so allotted for, it's over. And Apple has just released this in the news. People can look it up. So, I mean, we are allowing ourselves, we people wonder, what, how did that happen? And how can it not happen? How does it not happen here? It's because we give ourselves willingly. We just say, here, take me because we allow these passports. We allow surveillance to come in through our phones. We allow it. But I still have hope now that I have seen this. Going back to what you were saying, Lipson, from Eduardo's point, it's like, that's why you have to be skeptical and question every fucking lie and see 
everything they'll tell you in mainstream as a lie because they literally exaggerate, they manipulate, they emotionally manipulate, you know, in order to get nefarious shit across. This is how they did the, the crime bill that Biden <laughs> was pitching, right? And that he enacted to incarcerate a bunch of, you know, black and brown people, right? Because, you know, the, the criminals, those predators, you know what, Reagan used that shit too. Who was Nixon used that shit too. You know, they used that shit to, to, to also, uh, in the South, to enslave people, you know, pose the, you know, the abolition of slavery. You know, those criminals, those, you know, those people on the street. You know, this is as old as, you know, as bread, you know, these tactics. So we do have to question everything, take everything as a lie. That's the given. And then, and then go from there. Yeah, this is, this has been the theme. I mean, I'm glad you brought up iPhone. Have, have you all seen the billboards of the iPhone ads about iPhone privacy? You see it, right? This is the phone, right? This is the face of the phone. What do they do? They do like this, right? They, they show you this thing. What the fuck is this in terms of privacy? This is, this is me. I'm not able to be seen, but my face is being, being like facially recognized by my phone. There's no, this is the, uh, this vision is telling you the opposite of privacy. It is complete ownership of your digital face or face digitally by iPhone, right? And really all it means is, is we don't see each other. We don't see each other. Now iPhone gets in between, like, and that's what that's about. And like, that's how we have to now start to look at the entire world. We have to now look and be like, what is this lie? And it's not a little lie. It's a deep lie, right? All meant to put us in a trap. And, and the world does hang in the balance because it's exactly right. With, I don't know if Eduardo, you said it or Kenny, but they have, in order to go, if, if it's true that they're going to go and data mine Africa, then they have to data mine us. They have to take it from us. And every time we accept a vaccine passport or a, vac a vaccine mandate, a vaccine passport, a digital ID, we are literally handing ourselves over as slaves to our rulers to empower them to make other slaves of people in Africa and South America and Middle East. That's what we're doing. So we can't, like, if you want to fight the imperial project abroad, then you must fight that empire at home. And giving into that, giving into that digital world is not, it's that, it, it's, it's, it's a dead end. And that is, there is a lesson in resistance from the Taliban. They don't need iPhones to do that. I'm sure they had some crap or whatever, but that's not what it is. It, it was, it was resolve. It was a determination to, to not give up. It was a determination that they were going to see the U.S. out. Now, if they let China in, I think it's not so good for them, but that's what's coming. You know, this is the world we live in. It's an, it's an imperial, uh, you know, swap me kind of thing. But that's why capitalism has to be ended because there is no liberation from like, and I agree with Eduardo. I, I don't adhere to possibly the ideology, whatever people in, in, in the, among the Taliban, I'm a socialist, I'm a revolutionary socialist. I believe in international working class revolution. That is the only way all of us will be liberated. And the Taliban are going to find new, um, new people who are coming in to make a deal with them. And they're going to find themselves under the gun of those folks later on. But, you know, that's, a, that's not our problem. Our problem is not becoming enslaved by our own ruling class and stopping our ruling class from using our data and our work to project power abroad and enslave other people. Just to add to your point, you know, uh, our fight is here. You know, our fight is to fight our own ruling class. Our fight 
is not to civilize people, right? In in some imperial game mind game, you know, like you know, Eduardo, we talked about you know some how people approach it, right? Oh, but women, but this. It's like no, our job is to not go civilize and play their game, not to go educate people in another country, you know, because they need to brought into the Western neoliberal values, you know, and so no, our fight is here, you know, and and so like you said, Lipson, we're gonna have to see each other without iPhones, you know, face to face, you know, that's why I'm a communist, you know, because I believe in community, you know, in the power of community, and that's also part of you know the human experience and, and health and resistance. But I am going to wait for Eduardo to get over his cold before I see him. Yeah. <laughs> my muscles are beginning to hurt and my bones are beginning to hurt really badly aching. I'm just putting up with the pain for now. All right. All right. Is that it? Just wanted to add to what I just said, uh, you know, that our fight is here, but also our destinies are connected to the people in Afghanistan and vice versa, just like we need to understand that our destinies are connected to the people crossing the border, you know, and all the oppressed, you know, and not in a, uh, you know, just a good wishes type of shit. It's a, it literally, you fighting for yourself, you're fighting for other people too. Well, this was definitely a different angle than I have seen in any other mainstream news. I think that this has been a very lively discussion, but I would still a little worried about associating myself with the 5G comments in the 9-11 building. But you're too sick to do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, that does it for this week's episode. Um, we'll see what happens in the coming uh, weeks and as things will unfold. Este, and we also expect folks, if you're listening to this, that maybe they can join us for next Tuesday at 5 p.m. using the link that they have found on their Facebook group or whether on email. And if not, we'll have the link here at the What's Left episode notes. And the and the Telegram group where we started. Right. For folks who still want to keep some anonymity. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us i remind folks if you like anything you have heard here please share your favorite episode <clears throat> rate review subscribe turn on your notifications um jot down our information and to any of our uh platforms on um, spotify itunes podcast Stitcher, google play uh, BitChute, odyssey uh, youtube or telegram um, and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lusson. See you next time. And don't comply. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.